Today we start this Resurrection Week, starting with today, Palm Sunday, a series titled Out of the Darkness. And um, I gave the team that announcement that this would be the theme for the week some time ago, but what I didn't expect is how the world uh, would just amp it up to expose the darkness that we're seeing around us today. It's remarkable, church. Uh, most of you, perhaps, uh, wisely, perhaps, are not aware of some of the things that are going on. But uh, the world is darkening. Do I need to remind you of that? Not at all. But this day, known as Palm Sunday in church history, is also known in your Bible. If you have a good study Bible, your study Bible tells you that this is the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ in history. The triumphal entry. And why is this Palm Sunday important? And you guys know me by now if you attend this church. I have a great affection for those who are either doubters, skeptics, or atheists. I love them. Because for most of us, that's where we started. This is one of those messages that is literally undeniable. The reality of the scriptures. If you wanted to prove the existence of God, you could do it by researching Palm Sunday and why it's important from the Old Testament. Now, normally, I would give you a mathematical walkthrough in the book of Daniel. I've done it for 25 years. I'm not going to do it again today. You can look at other studies. How the very day was a day that Israel was supposed to be looking for their Messiah. The Bible had written to them in advance that they could have gotten up that morning, got their glasses on, sunscreen, and a pack of lunch, and, and go to the Mount of Olives, and they could have watched the coming, the first coming of the Messiah, prophesied by the book of Daniel. You should know that. Daniel chapter 9, beginning at verse 22, all the way down to the end of that chapter. It is the holy of holies of Bible prophecy. God is real. God announced, I'm coming. My son will come and visit. And this is how you're going to know that it's him. And that was written in many places, but most graphically in the book of Daniel. But when we talk about Palm Sunday, you ought to write this down in your note taking. Comes out of Leviticus chapter 23. Let's look at it together. Leviticus 23 verse 39 says, When you have gathered in the fruit of the land, and we're in that season again, by the way, when I say we as Christians, and of course Israel, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. And the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest. And on the eighth day of the Sabbath rest, and you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees and the branches of palm trees, the limbs of leafy trees and willows from the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. This entire week sets out a time where every year the Jewish people were to celebrate before God. Well, church family, you say, well, Jack, why are we so excited? We're a bunch of Gentiles. Because the fulfillment of this feast was none other than the announcement of the very one who would be the first fruits of eternal life, Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, when Christ came into Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey, on Palm Sunday, what did Israel do? They so recognized this day in history, in their day. What did they do? They did exactly that. They knew the scripture. Am I yelling? I am so excited. People who knew their Bible went and got branches from the trees and laid them down on the path because they anticipated the coming of the Messiah. Exactly like Daniel said. And Jesus rides on the back of the donkey. And, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of the message. All of this to bring us out of darkness. And um, John 12 tells us, John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast. Now you know what feast, right? Out of the Old Testament. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, notice their response. They all went back home as though nothing was going on. No. 
It says in verse 13, they took branches of palm trees and they went to meet him and cried out, listen, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. You weren't there, I wasn't there, but Rome was there to record it. The Pharisees were there to record it. The historians, Josephus, Flavius Josephus, the famous historian, he was there to record it. But notice that the population of the people present who came according to the feast recognized that what was going on caused them to go to the scriptures and say, this is what's happening. Skeptic, listen. I'm not asking you to believe this. I'm asking you to hear this. Those eyewitnesses then went and got branches and put it down on the roadway and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's evidence, friends. If we were in court today, that's evidence being submitted. Eyewitness accounts, again, as I mentioned, remarkable data that you can study on this, by the way, from the Roman Empire and the annals of Rome. How many, how many, we, by the way, we know how many people immigrated for that week for the holy celebration because the Roman toll has the records of how Jerusalem was swollen to some two and a half million people. Dotting all of the hill country with their little beautiful tents and their families gathered around and getting ready for Passover. But it all began on this day, the great entrance of Christ at Palm Sunday. By the way, mark this down in your notes. Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 to 10 covers this. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11 covers this. You're already now, or you're going to be in a moment. Luke 19, 28 to 44 covers this. And then John's gospel, John 12, verses 12 to 19 covers this. And all four gospels, this event is covered. And as it were, in quadraphonic reporting. It's all taken care of. Do you know when you go to the theater... Uh, there's a reason why God gave us four Gospels, and that's a study for another day. It's beautiful. But you know when you go to the theater, and uh, you're going to watch uh, Peter Rabbit, and you're there, and right before it starts, there's this thing that goes, um, you know, there's a sound that goes, and it goes all around you, Dolby. You know what I'm talking about? Why do they do that? Because they're trying to tell you that we have offered up a product and an experience so amazing, you sense it from every direction. God has given us four gospels so that we would know the truth, that we would see the truth from every direction. If you stop running this way and you're going to run that way, you're going to hit the truth. If you turn around and run the opposite way, you're going to hit the truth. No matter what direction you go, God's word is there and it's true. And you're going to decide in your life if God's word is going to be the authority of your life or you're going to be the authority of your life. And by the way, our nation has come to that crossroad and our nation has made its decision. Will we worship money and culture or will we worship Christ and the almighty God? And our nation, I believe, has already decided which one it will worship. So church, with that, I'm going to read the scripture, but let's stand together and uh, to be on the screens, but I do love having your Bibles open. I mean, I'll look, I'll have my Bible open too, but I'll read it from the screens. The font is bigger <laughs> for these old eyes. Luke chapter 19, verse 28, when he had said this, he, Jesus, went on ahead going up to Jerusalem and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, and there you'll enter, you will find a, a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it. So that's the code word. It's going to look like you're stealing somebody's donkey. If you get busted for that, you tell them, uh, the Lord has need of it? 
<laughs> and that's going to be enough. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they, loose, as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, I would have loved to have seen their faces. Can you imagine? The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. So it's a a little boy colt, baby, whatever that boy colt is. It's a little guy. Verse 36, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty miracles they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him, that is, called to Jesus from the crowd. These guys are Always the party pooper. (laughs) Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Oh, look, if a rock, if a rock can praise God, so can you. There's no excuse. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Saying, if you had only known, and he's, listen, I believe God is saying this today. If you had only known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you. That, by the way, to the ground. They shall not leave in you, one stone upon another that was literally fulfilled on, in 70 AD by the Roman 5th Legion. Because, here's the reason why. Why did judgment come to the nation? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. That's the reason. This is the announcement. This is Palm Sunday. Father God, we pray for your presence to be magnified in our midst, in Jesus' name. And all God's people again said, Amen. Amen. Out of the darkness, church, you may be seated. Out of the darkness, by way of introduction into this topic, out of the darkness, scientists tell us that there are three, I find this interesting, that there are three basic categories of darkness. So when we ask the question, what is darkness? It depends on who we're asking. Number one group, scientists tell us that there's a darkness that is found in space. In space. We're talking outer space. Space. Uh, That which lies 126,000 feet above the earth and beyond. Space. Scientists tell us that there's a darkness that is the darkness of night. Night can be measured in levels of darkness. We live in the suburbs here and we have some darkness. But if you go uh, to New York or Las Vegas or Los Angeles, even at night there is no darkness. And then you can go into the middle of the desert. You go to the Mojave Desert. Or maybe you go to some distant place where there's no human activity and it's, uh, the night sky is measured by a photometer. And uh, the night is very present. And you're not surprised by that. But then there's also the darkness of ambience. See, what is that, the darkness of ambience? Well, I could go uh, from the darkness that's within this room. There is some darkness in this room, not much, but there is some. But I can go backstage, I can go back there into some of the other rooms, and they're very dark. Are you hearing me? Ambience is the level of light that surrounds you wherever you might be. Scientists will tell us that there's an actual physics to all of that, that wherever you're at, there is a level of ambient lighting. And it's remarkable for us, we can be in a room that we think is pitch black, naturally speaking. And it is pitch black to us. But not to other sets of eyes, not to equipment. It's all based upon what scientists tell us is how the eye processes light and how much light and what frequency or wavelength of light do we process. The next group is this. Psychologists tell us there's three basic 
descriptions of darkness. There's the darkness that comes from ignorance. When somebody is ignorant about something, it affects them psychologically. By the way, that is one of the premises for worrying. We are a weird group of people, everybody. We worry because we don't know, and as soon as we find out, then we worry more. Believe me, when the doctor says, I want to sit you down, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do to you tomorrow morning. Excuse me, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just do it good. But there's a sense of ignorance that plays against our psychology. And it affects us. Psychologists tell us that darkness comes from confusion. Really? Seems like we're pretty much in an ignorant and confused age in which our world is in right now. Confusion. Now we're promoting confusion. Driving it. And then psychologists tell us that there's a darkness that comes from fear. That's the obvious, is it not? Fear. Very tragic. Fear. And then thirdly, there's another group, and it's three, interestingly enough, three basic descriptions, categories as well. There's what the Bible has to say. There's the darkness of the human heart. The Bible tells us that the human heart is dark. And if you're honest, you'll agree with that. The third, or the second thing, excuse me, is the fact that the darkness of the human soul is something we deal with. Man's mind goes places uh, and wanders off into, so, uh, as it were, ditches of thought, canyons of emotions. And uh, when things seem scary, it puts us in a place of some form of ignorance because there's darkness around us and we begin to lose hope. And that ought not to happen. That's why God gave us the Bible. But the heart, the soul. And then finally, we know from Genesis chapter 1 that the Bible tells us, beginning there, that there's a darkness that is of the human spirit. The human spirit needs to be made new, the Bible tells us. So today, you guys, we're going to be looking at this Palm Sunday week, starting today, in a rather unusual, but I pray, very accurate and very timely, relevant message. The entire ministry of Jesus Christ leading up to this day, 2,000 years ago in history, begins this way in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke 4, 16. So when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. By the way, there's a whole backstory to that. Jesus didn't pick himself, by the way, to stand up and read that day. Again, I can't get into it. We don't have the time. But the day that Jesus went to that synagogue was the day that in his local synagogue, among the men, the lot fell to him. Every man had a different reading each week. Notice what the reading is. Watch this. I often tell you guys that God's rigged this whole thing. Well, watch this. And so Jesus stood up to read. That was normal. He was supposed to. But nobody knew what was up until now. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Why? Every synagogue in the entire world on that day was reading from this portion of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Why does it say that? He didn't go search the scroll of Isaiah to try to find the place that would justify what he was about to say. He actually was called upon to be the one for that day because his lot had come to stand up and read. And he turned to the next Sabbath day reading. What a coincidence. <laughs> and he found the place where it was, was written, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to, pro to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, then he closed the book 
and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Everything's normal. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Why? Because the teacher that day, which Jesus was, would now begin to teach from that portion of scripture reading. So they're all watching him, and I think it's awesome. The teacher sat down and the students stood up. I'm a real fan of that. We should change that for next week. (laughs) And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you can read on what happened after that. He made the announcement, Today is the commencing of a ministry that has been prophesied in Scripture forever. And I've come. I'm the one, he is saying. I'm the one that's come to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty those that are bound. I'm the one. And from that moment on, listen up, everybody. There were those who recognized that they were sinners to the core, and they ran to him for salvation. There were those who knew they were sinners and draped it and cloaked it and ran away from him. There were those who came and embraced him. There were those who came to attack him. Where are you in this mix? On this amazing time in history. Where would you have been in the crowd 2,000 years ago? And what about today? Matthew chapter 4 verse 13 now tells us. Matthew 4 13 says, And leaving Nazareth, the first one said, And coming to Nazareth. Matthew 4.13 tells us regarding uh, a completely different time. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. By the way, that was his ministry headquarters, Capernaum. Which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, northern Galilee region. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by way of the sea beyond the the Jordan, Gentile, uh, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region, a shat- and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, listen, this is what the dawning of the light is all about. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in Christ. Trust him. Come to him. Just like Acts 26, 18 announces to us. Remember, we're talking about coming out of the darkness. The gospels preach to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Are you in the light, my friend? Don't answer out loud. But are you in the light? Do you walk in the light? Do you know what it's like to live in the darkness? You should. But... You can't really contrast it unless you come into the light. And from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me, Jesus said. If you've ever been in a dark room, everything's fine. But when somebody turns on a light, what do you do? Do you kind of flinch? Do you kind of close your eyes and adjust? Have you noticed that when the night comes, your eyes adjust perfectly well. It's interesting to me that wherever you're living, if you're walking in the light, if you're living in the light, you're accustomed to the light. And when you walk into the darkness, just like you being outside today and you walk into some dark room, you can't see anything. I kind of like that. If you're in the light and if you happen to walk into the darkness... You can't see the darkness. Why? Because you've been walking in the light. God protects you. The light surrounds you. But if you live in the darkness and walk out into the light, then you're blind. And there's a tremendous spiritual truth to that. So church, mark it down if you would. Number one is this. Out of the darkness comes the call of the scriptures. The Bible. The Bible calls us to know it. I'll never apologize for this. You always mention the Bible. You're always talking about the Bible. There's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else left but the Bible. How so? To open your eyes and to see the plan. God wants you to see the plan. 2,000 years ago, he held Israel responsible to know the plan. Friends, listen, we better wake up and we better take in a warning right now. When we read the Bible, we're not playing games here. 
We are to know the intricate workings of this plan. That's why he's given it to us. Well, you know, I I read the one-year Bible. That's to keep all of us on the same page, but do you study the Bible? Do you dig into the Bible? Do you unpack the words and you read the sentence and you look at the chapter and you look at the paragraph and you see what's going on? Do you study the Bible? Have you hidden it in your heart? Because then and only then you'll know the plan of God. It's not a secret. It's right in front of us. Very few people pick it up and care to know it. And you and I live in a dangerous age in a dangerous part of the world because we're so distracted by things. That may change very soon here. We may not be so distracted in the near future. That'd probably be an act of God. But in Matthew chapter 21, look at it with me together. Matthew 21 verse 2. And Jesus said to them, go into the village opposite you. We read this a moment ago, but now from Matthew. And immediately you will find a donkey tied. That's the plan. Palm Sunday. So what's up? Guys, go. Plan. Number one. You go. Number two, there's going to be a donkey tied up. Now, you guys, we're talking about Jerusalem here. They had new and used donkey parking lots. (laughs) There's donkeys everywhere. But there's a little clue here. You'll find it. uh, You will find a donkey tied and and a colt with her. Notice, mommy, baby guy. Loose them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you. So now they know what they're supposed to do. That's the plan. Get the donkey. Oh, and the mom gets to come too. Get the donkey. If anybody says anything to you, just tell them the code word. Look at verse 4. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion. Watch this. Behold, your king has come into you lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Why? Jesus gave them the plan. A seven, listen, so let me do the math. So a, basically a 2,750 year old prophecy from today was fulfilled that for them was about 750 years prophesied in advance, and Jesus is using the Bible to tell the disciples the plan, to go execute what needs to be done, and they did it. You need to know that. Stop reading your Bible so casually. This is the bread of life, and God's got a plan, beautiful plan, awesome plan. Did you know that in the midst of COVID, God had a beautiful, awesome plan? Did you get it or did you miss it? In the midst of world war, did you know that God had a plan? Did you know that when Satan launches his most vehement attack against us, God still has a plan? You know the forces of hell cannot shake God's plan? His plan's secure. It's not going anywhere. His plan will be fulfilled. Just be in on the plan. And you're invited if you know it. Matthew chapter 4 verse 16. The people who said in darkness have seen a great light. That's the plan. Darkness. He's not talking about physical darkness like the scientists tell us about. He's talking more about the biblical and psychological darkness that people are in. And they have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. Listen, without Christ, you're in the shadow of death today. Without Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we're already dead. We're just waiting to enter into the final realm of death, that is physical death. You might be spiritually dead today. You've never come into the light. But Christ is inviting you. He has a plan. This is not religion. You're not at church today. I know, well, I looked it up on the internet. That's how I found the place. I know, I'm sorry about that. I apologize. What you should have searched was, I want to go to a place that's not some pre-packed religious experience called a church based on an address or a building. I want to go somewhere where the word of God is going to be honest enough to tell me the truth and transform my life. That's what we need to experience. The second thing under this point is that to open our eyes 
so that we might hear the word of God. In John chapter 8, verse 12, the Bible tells us, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, come out of the darkness, but have the light of life. Friends, listen, i got to be honest with you. If you say that you're a Christian and you're walking in darkness, something is terribly wrong. Dangerously wrong. The call of the scriptures is for us to open up our eyes and to hear the word of God. And the word of God is a person. And he's saying, come to the light. Come to me. I am the light of the world. And I love this. Psalm 23 verse 4. I love this. I saw a soldier the other day who on his right shoulder had this psalm written on his uniform. I don't know how long they're going to allow him to have that on there in this country of ours. But, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What a great promise. By the way, cheer up, everybody. This is so good. Did you know in Islam, when you die in Islam, you've got to walk across this a canyon, and there's flames beneath the canyon, and in Islam, you've got to walk this uh, line across the canyon that is the size of a uh, ha- uh, width of a hair, and it's, it's a blade, and, and you, have to, you have to negotiate that while these things called jinns, we know them as demons in the Bible, try to knock you off, and if you make it all the way across, then you get to go into heaven. So it's, you know, it's all on you. It's hallelujah. The Bible teaches the opposite. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, all of that stuff takes place on this side in this world. Some of us are walking through the valley of the shadow of death now by difficulties, trials, tribulations. It's not a specific reference to actual dying, certainly, it's true. But when you're suffering, you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. The great release. What does the Bible say for the believer? The moment we die, we are what? Tell me. We're present with the Lord. Hallelujah for that. You don't die and then have to run some obstacle course, getting shot at by demons. (laughs) Brother, listen, you're living. This is the, listen, for us who are followers of Christ, this is as worse as it gets right here. They can kill us. Well, if they kill us, they just make it better. That's why Paul the Apostle, they, Paul the Apostle said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And they said, you know what? We can't stand you preaching the gospel. We're going to kill you. And he goes, Woo-hoo! to live is Christ and to die is gain. And they go, wait a minute. You're happy about that? Yes, to die is gain. And they said, oh, shoot. Uh, then we're going to keep you alive. To live is Christ. Wait, you're happy about that too? Yes. How do you stop somebody like that? You can't stop somebody who knows the truth and knows the plan of God and knows the word of God. You can't stop them. Thirdly, under this point, is that we're to have our eyes open to make a decision. All of us have been learning too much lately about artificial intelligence, AI. It's terrifying. We now have computers that can think on their own, that can decide on their own. There are computers now in laboratories that if they get out, we got some serious troubles, people, because these computers can live on their own. They can make their own decisions, and they can decide things. We never thought that would ever be possible. A machine that is soulless with no morality, and yet with ultimate knowledge and power available at its uh, wiring. (laughs) I was going to say fingertips, but... Decisions. Every day, you and I are called upon to make a decision. The scripture calls us to make decisions. In Psalm 139, verse 12, the Bible says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, that is God, but the night shines as the day. I love this. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. I love that. that listen, where God is, it's always light, even if it's dark. And where God is, even if it's bad and ugly and scary, it's all good because God is there. Amen. I love that. I love that. Mark that down. Mark, uh, know that one. 
Also this, John 11 verse 9 tells us, And Jesus answered and said to them, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world, the sun shining. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. He goes from a beautiful teaching of, hey, when you guys walk around the daytime, do you have any problems stumbling around? No. Well, guess what? At nighttime, isn't that the problem? Yep. Well, when it's dark on the inside of you, that's the ultimate problem. Remarkable. Decisions. The decision making we make. In John chapter 3, you guys okay? In John three eighteen, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he who believes in me is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. So notice, you may have come here today, or you may be watching right now. And uh, you don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have faith in him. To save you from your sins and to transform your life. You just, you believe in the sense of association. You've heard of him. And you're not a pagan, so you, by default you think you're okay. No, that's not okay. The Bible says you're condemned from the get-go. Why? Because he has not believed in the name, that word name is referenced also, authority of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Is that not an incredibly true statement right now? Are you watching this? Because their deeds were evil. Darkness now coming out of people is bold. And all over. Number two in our study today, out of the darkness is this, comes the collision of kingdoms. Collisions are happening right now between two kingdoms, just two, not three, not four, just two. The kingdom of Satan, the Bible tells us, and the kingdom of God. Light and darkness. Listen up, everybody, if you don't know. There's the kingdom of God, there's the kingdom of Satan. One is truth, one's a lie. One tells you the truth, the other one tells you a lie. One wants you to live forever, the other one wants you to die forever. Can you imagine dying forever? The best part for us as Christians is we can only die so long. And then we're dead. But when you read about hell, hell is a place of forever being alert to the fact that you're dying. That you're existing in a living death, if I can put it that way. It's horrific. All of these things warring. And you look around, even in our world today, I firmly believe, and you're going to say, you watch too much Lord of the Rings. I think you should watch it. I think Tolkien was on to something. What's going on in our world today is because there's an invisible war that's been raging, and it's been raging so big now that it's spilled over into the physical world. It used to be like this, then it got like this, and now the missiles and the rockets in the spiritual realm are flying over into the physical realm. That's why we're seeing what we're seeing. We need to be careful, church, listen up. This part, by the way, I'm going to say something right now that will absolutely be edited out of this message by the weirdos that watch every sermon I do that hate me. And they do. There's a whole thing. There's a, we, have, we have a group that monitors this hate group that monitors every word I say and they'll either delete things or they'll change my words around on an audio and then they'll reload it up. By the way, all of you need to, we need to stop posting photos of ourselves online. You want to know why? They're taking those too. And they're taking your face. You can't even tell. It's, you, can't, you can't even tell. They're taking your face and they're making you, for example, uh, maybe you're some young woman who's saying on her Facebook or on her Instagram or whatever, I love Jesus. He's wonderful. And they take your face and they take somebody else's body and they put you up in some incredibly sexually compromised picture. And no, no one's going to, listen, people want to believe that that's you. Go search later things called deep fake. Go look at some of the audio that's happening. 
I had a chance to meet a guy for the CIA. Incredible. Told you guys this before. This guy, uh, for 30 years, worked for the CIA. All he would do is, he, he didn't, he just worked in an office. And most of the time, he didn't have to even go to an office. They said, we want you to listen to Mikhail Gorbachev. Just listen to him. Okay, I've listened to him. Okay, we want you to call this number, and we want you to say this. Okay. So he had called this world leader in some part of the world and say, hey, I'm Mikhail Gorbachev. In Russian. Or English. And this is what, uh, this is what the Soviet Union is wanting you to do. We're going to give you 10 hours to do this. And then they say, you know what? We want you to, li- we want you to listen to the vo- voice of this guy. Listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. Or this woman. Listen to this woman. Pick up the phone and call this country and do this thing. Spying, espionage, warfare, information warfare. I find it interesting. I'll put this up on the uh, the screen regarding uh, the fact that our kingdoms are in collision. I want you to write this down. Um, There's a collision of kingdoms and the war is against the kingdom of Satan. You need to understand that. It's against the kingdom of Satan. In John chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus said, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not understand or comprehend it. Do you understand that? People listen to you. Are you guys... What's wrong today? There's an extreme silence in this sanctuary. It's driving me crazy. I'm more Pentecostal than, than I thought I was. Um, I mean, I'm not asking you to run down the aisles and twirl around, but if you're all sleeping... Is it too hot in here? Yes. Okay, stop. Okay, wait. We'll have a... It's perfect. We can... That's good. You know what? A friend, of mine, a friend of mine told me, we need to learn how to suffer. Because when we learn how to suffer, we can be comfortable in any situation. <laughs> That's great advice. Let's suffer through this, okay? We're, we're in, tw- in 13 minutes, you'll be free from this message. So... So, okay. <laughs> Hang on. Guards! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's a war against the kingdom of Satan. The Bible says it's real. Listen, don't say anything. Don't respond. Do you believe that's true? The Bible says there's a war against the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. If you don't believe that's true, he already got you with one of his dum-dum darts. <laughs> he shot you. You know the thing where the lion's coming after you and... They shoot you with the tranquilizer, and it lands just right at your feet. At the... What happened? You got, sh- you got, you're tranquilized. If you don't think we're in a spiritual war, you've been tranquilized by the enemy. Right now. Secondly, in this collision, that war brings us Kingdom victory. Hey, no, no spiritual war, no spiritual victory. Here's the beautiful thing about the Bible. The Bible's so awesome. If you don't know, the Bible says God has already, already secured the victory. The war is over. You, you should know that. The Bible says the war is over. It happened when Christ rose from the dead. It's over. Everything else that's been going on are battles. A battle is different than a war. A war determines the outcome. Guess what? The outcome's been determined. Christ is risen from the dead. We have battles because we're not home yet. We haven't ridden in, as it were, into the kingdom of forever with God. But if you look around our nation right now, I believe that there's a war on the human soul. There's a war on the human being. I want to put a quote up here that was uh, by someone on the, um, yeah, uh, Lauren Chen. There is a pattern being established in school shootings, reports Lauren Chen. The Aberdeen, Denver, Nashville shooters all identified as trans, while the Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary. By the way, you try to look that fact up, that is a legal fact recorded now 
in those investigative agencies. And if you Google it, you will see what we're up against in the way of controlling media. They will deny it. They will fight that. And yet the police departments are prosecuting it already or investigating them now because some of them, tragically, since you and I met last, there was a shooting in Nashville. And I hope you were here on Wednesday night. But... um, so listen, nobody wants to hear this, but don't, ju- don't prejudge. Let me say what I need to say. While the Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary, in addition, just last week, a trans gunman carried out the shooting of the sheriff's, depart- uh, uh, sheriff's deputy. The action was praised by Antifa. Now that's on their site. Ladies and gentlemen, Antifa is a Marxist group dedicated to the overthrow of the U.S. Constitution. Fact. So why are they praising this action? And the far left. Chen says that the perpetrator of the latest shooting in Nashville was absolutely radicalized by left-wing ideology and that we shouldn't be surprised. Why? Chen believes it's because for the past several years, the left has acted as if anyone or anything that opposes their far-left radical attempts to trans the world, including your children, qualify as transgenocide. She adds that it's no coincidence that this attack happened in Tennessee. The state has recently passed several bills aimed at protecting children from LGBT agenda, and the left is not happy about it. That was her being interviewed by The Blaze. I'm not attacking any one of the groups. What I'm saying is the war has spilled out into the public. These are demonic things. To deny the events are taking place is to be tranquilized. But if you wake up to the fact that it's happening, then you're going to have to decide on where do you put the answer to this dilemma. Is this the kingdom of heaven? Warring against the kingdom of hell? I believe it is. There's a video. We have no sound because it was really dumb music. Read this, please. Read it. This is from Newsweek. The Trans Day of Vengeance. Vengeance. Over a credible threat to life and safety. The rally was to occur just days after the school shooting. There's the... In Nashville, Tennessee, that killed six people. Organizers rejected any connection between the rally and the shooter. Of course. After police confirmed shooter Audrey Hale was transgender. The Trans Radical Activist Network, a group of transgender activists, argued the the protest is about unity, not inciting violence. And the rally would have protested the various bills in a number of states. Limiting gender-affirming health care. Listen now, they spin that mutilation The activist groups canceled the event after receiving threats. Police are still investigating whether Hale's gender identity was related to the crime but couldn't comment on a motive. But conservatives pointed to Hale's gender identity as a sign that the transgender movement is radicalizing activists into terrorists. Others have noted that as a uh, proposition proportion of mass, those identified as transgender appear to be statistically insignificant. So I, after Monday, made some calls and talked to some experts in their fields, some that actually deal uh, and work in the science community. And I mentioned it on Monday, or Wednesday. It's interesting to note that the violence, if, if, a, if a male wants to be a female, there doesn't seem to be violence yet reported connected by them. Are you hearing me? Track me. If a male is tran- transitioning to a female chemically, there doesn't seem yet to appear any violence in them. I wouldn't expect any. You want to know Why? Listen, we're not talking Bible here. We're not talking religion here. We're just talking science here. Have you ever raised a boy? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've raised a boy. 
You're going to know real quick what I'm talking about here. But when a female receives massive dosages of testosterone for changing, all of the scientists agree. Mood swings, anger issues, hostility, irritability, unable to sleep, rage. Why? (laughs) That's what every guy in this room fights that. If we have, if our testosterone's cranking, man, we should just stay in bed. Because we're, we're, it's bad news. People, listen. This, this woman who shot up Tennessee, that school, that Christian school, you inject her with those medications. Listen, those physicians should be arrested. Right now, they should be arrested. They turned her into a monster. When are we going to wake up? Say, Jack, my goodness, I can't believe I'm hearing this. It's the war between heaven and hell. And the human soul is in the middle. Jesus said, I've come to save you. John 10, verse 10. But the devil has come to rob you, to kill you, and to destroy you. Take a pick. Make a choice. Who will it be? We have so much. We'll just blaze. uh, We'll just shoot through this. What's going on inside that place? No, I'm not joking. There is some good happening. Not much, but there is some good. And I told you before, it's because California made an incredibly great difference in that building in 2022. Next slide. Everybody deserves access to safe abortion. How about the baby? Listen to RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um... Well, I guess I have no opinion about it. I don't have a uterus, so I can't... I guess I can't talk about anything anymore. But if I identified as having a uterus, would I have an opinion? <laughs> Next slide. Hey, listen, this got pulled, by the way. You can't find this on the internet anymore. Uh, if, can you guys not read the top because it's very foul language? But this is a trans post of a trans person, it's a female getting male injections, hormone injections. And uh, this is calling for a trans community uh, day of rage. Did you know that there was a day of rage planned this week? Rage, did you hear me? Vengeance, not not rage, vengeance. What What comes to your mind when you hear the word vengeance? Anger. Wow, next slide. This is just... Trans rights or else. Wow. Now, this has all been pulled from the internet. Next slide. Trans activists march on state capitals. That was yesterday. Nationwide as cloud of Nashville Christian school shooting looms. In all the capitals, increasingly more so. Not all the capitals, not yet, but a lot of them. You know, listen, if you want a law, you, if you want to change things, you, you put a bill into legislation and you vote on it. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm submitting to you today that we're, we have, we're, we're a nation without laws. Next, uh, wait a minute, do we have a next? Colorado Springs suspect identifies as non, this is the police report, as non-binary and uses them, uh, they, them pronouns a uh, defense lawyer says. I'm not attacking them. I'm attacking the demonic powers that are manipulating them. You're either protected by the covering of Christ or you're wide open. That's where we're at. And then Tucker Carlson. The trans movement is targeting Christians, including with violence. Most Christian leaders in this country don't want to admit that. Admitting it might force them to take deeply unfashionable positions. But it is true, and anyone who's paying attention knows that it's true. And so, like most true things at this point, it is officially suppressed. Here, for example, is Joe Biden yelping again about how it's all your fault when these tragedies happen because you've got guns at home. This is from yesterday. We have to do more to stop gun violence. It's ripping our communities apart. 
ripping a soulless nation, ripping at the very soul of the nation. And we, we have to do more to protect our schools so they aren't turned into prisons. You know, uh, the shooter in this situation reported we had two assault weapons and a pistol, two AK-47. That wasn't true, so by I the way. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. That was not true. So we're going to prevent you from learning why the shooter did it, and we don't have to guess because she wrote a whole manifesto about why she did it. And we know that she did that because she told a friend of hers on Instagram that she did it. But we can't see it. We can only talk about the guns. We can't know what kind of drugs she was taking, what kind of hormones or SSRIs or benzodiazepines. We can only guess. We can only talk about the guns. Pass my assault weapons ban. That'll fix the problem. But Joe Biden is lying about that. He knows that he's lying, and you know that he's lying. Yesterday's massacre did not happen because of lax gun laws. Yesterday's massacre happened because of a deranged and demonic ideology that is infecting this country with the encouragement of people like Joe Biden. Let's start by being honest about that. So he said, let's start by being honest about that. You may sit here and look at that and say, I just I can't believe I heard that. Why? Wait, what's your problem with, with the truth of this? Think about it. It's a war between demonic powers and the kingdom of heaven, and the prize is the human soul. Satan hates God so much that he's lying to you and he's trying to destroy you and your children. That's why it's important you attend school board meetings right there. Things like that. Because it's unnatural. The Bible says it's reprobate. It's where the mind doesn't think right. Here's the amazing thing. How do we know that this nation is done? When people listen to the President of the United States say what he says, and they actually understand him. No, I'm not being funny. Do you think that throwing away every gun on the planet is going to stop murder? Cain killed Abel with a rock. And oh, by the way, she didn't have AK-47s. Finally, we have to end with this because of time's sake, is that out of the darkness comes clarity of the truth. Thank God for the clarity of the truth. And this is how it happens. To come out of a world condemned by sin. Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on this day in history and he, and he expected and held accountable the people to know the day of his arrival. Today, you can accept Christ into your heart now. The invitation has gone out. You can say to Christ, Jesus, I know that my sins put you on the cross and I'm so sick and I'm sorry and I'm, I, I own that, Lord. I, my sins crucified you. You died for me, not for fun. You died to save me. And I repent of my sins and I give you my life and I live from this moment on for you. I'm going to focus. I'm going to follow. I'm going to put my faith in you because sin will condemn you. And America's young people today, not just young people, are dying, both spiritually and publicly, because of sin. The clarity comes also of truth when we know this. To come out of a life controlled by lies, and here's where we'll end. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, church, and you ask yourself, are you and I living in this moment? Now the Holy Spirit expressly says, wow, that in the latter times, that is at the time of the end, some will depart from the faith. People are going to give up believing. They were never saved to begin with. They just hung out with us. And then over time, they didn't lose their salvation. They just looked saved to us. But rough times, difficult times, exposed their foundations. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. The transgender world, the terrorist world, the lying world, the cheating world, the adultery world, uh, the list is endless. Do you get my point? 
is a world of lies, engineered by the father of lies, Satan himself. And doctrines of demons. How do you come up with strange argumentation and the most bizarre antichrist logic? Doctrines of demons. The war has spilled over into our physical realm. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, their conscience seared with a hot iron. And you see these horrific scenes in public school libraries right now. I was going to show you, I can't. Of trans dancers on the laps of nine-year-olds, literally, literally on their laps in their transvestite garb, sanctioned by the city, sanctioned by the public education systems. There's a war out, and your child is the target. And I'm asking you to show up to a school board meeting? Oh, really? I mean, i got to wear roller derbies on that day. The Rams are playing the goats. <laughs> really? Well, you're just choosing what's important. You're just talking about... Listen, you've got to be you're in one of the kingdoms. You're in one of the kingdoms. 